Welcome to NFL MAO. I'm Aiden. And I'm Brad. So we have a Luke-less podcast today. Luke and T are in Las Vegas right now, living La Vida Loca, living their best life. They toured the Raiders Stadium yesterday. I got to see photos uh, of the field, so Luke and T were on the gridiron officially. I got to see photos from the locker room. I got to see some of the greats' signatures on the walls. It looks like an all-around great stadium. I can't wait. What are you adjusting? Just the microphone. Oh, so much feedback. I can't wait to get uh, a breakdown from Luke on the podcast when he gets back in sunny Los Angeles. But um, I definitely hope that they're having the best time right now. I know they have a few more days there. Um, so some topics that are happening in this dead period of the NFL. We are officially past mini camps wait, awaiting training camps. And in this dead period, we're all just kind of sitting back hoping that nothing bad goes wrong with our team. Nobody gets in trouble. Um, so with that in mind, there was a recent happening with an NFL superstar on a boat. There's actually been plenty of happenings in the ocean lately, but Brad, do you want to break down the Tyree kill situation? Yeah. So, uh, Tyree kill was, is it, being investigated for a alleged assault and battery of a, a guy that worked on a marina. Uh, that Wait, did he break onto the boat too? Uh, technically, I think so. Yeah, he. Boarded, I think he technically he, he boarded a yeah, boat without boarded. permission, and then yeah. uh, when the guy said that he couldn't, he couldn't fish there. He just smacked him in the back of the head. <laughs> <laughs> I should not laugh, but it that's is. a very Tyreek Hill thing to do. Uh, but then uh, Hill said, "I can buy you and the boat. I'm number ten of the Miami Dolphins." Um, and so you know, yeah. it's just, it's, it, it's not uncommon for NFL superstars to act like you know divas. Uh, but you know, it's just. This is the kind of thing you don't want to see from anyone on your team if you're wanting them to play a full season next year. But I don't think it's going to make him miss time, but it is a obvious blemish. <clears throat> so yeah, and so much there was, like, <clears throat> there was talks about, like, file charges, but that doesn't look to be the case. It looks like no charges were pressed. Um, man, I'll tell you what, if Tyreek Hill slapped me on the back of the head... Charges are being pressed. If Justin Fields slapped me on the back of the head, charges are being pressed. I'm coming out of there with money. I'm not leaving without something. I'm leaving with something. You know what I mean? So <clears throat> before we pivot into the grander narrative of the offseason uh, and being on your P's and Q's, I also want to quickly follow up on a storyline from the last podcast regarding Diva wide receivers. Stephon Diggs and the Bills had a bit of a standoff. Uh, for the first day of minicamp, where there was conflicting stories of whether or not he attended the uh, the minicamp session, with McDermott saying that <clears throat> he wasn't there, or to his knowledge he wasn't, that he was very concerned. They wrote out a very cuckolded Josh Allen, and it appears that the situation was rectified quickly because Stephon Diggs was back at practice. However, um, it has since come out that the issues are pretty much firmly 
that Stefan Diggs is not happy with his input with the offense, uh, his input on play calling, and the situation that happened towards the end of that playoff game last year, which is where you saw the tirade on the sideline from Diggs. Um, do you have any thoughts on this? It looks like it's going to be fine, but I mean, he seems to be a persistent nagging issue if things aren't going well throughout his tenure in the league. Yeah, I I am personally not a big fan of D- divas at any position, uh, and I've had them, you know, and I, I, you see them. Uh, I, I think a lot of people would consider Philip Rivers to have been a diva just on the field. His his antics, he's just always com- seemingly complaining. Uh, and I mean, I I guess I I, I get it. You got a bunch of millionaires uh, on the field, and you know, if things don't go their way, then that affects the uh, directly affects their money. So, uh, yeah, I, I yeah, he's I getting paid agree. as a top five. Yeah, I, I fully agree with everyone that's not Stephon Diggs in the situation. I get he's frustrated, but he's acting like a baby. Uh, just go catch passes from one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the league and hope to get more targets. That, you know, in prime situations, <laughs> like you can complain, but don't do it publicly. Like that's just a bad look for everybody, including yeah. you. I mean. I'm a very empathetic person, but, like, my empathy stops when it comes to this kind of stuff. Like, I'll, I can put myself in the wide receiver's shoes, like an elite wide receiver whose impact is largely dependent on play calling and ball delivery. From the quarterback, I can see how you would get upset. You're starting to enter the second half of your NFL career. You're in the later rounds of the playoffs. Like, you're in the hunt of the Super Bowl chase. And if you don't feel like you are getting an opportunity to make the impact you know you can, I can understand why you'd get upset. But not to the extent that you would make an issue of it. That has to be kept private. You need to instill confidence in the team and the play callers so that they're going to feed you the rock. And just like off the top of my head, I don't know why I thought of this, but on Twitter the other day, I saw this clip that somebody posted that they're like, let me just remind you that Larry Fitzgerald cooked in practice. And it was just footage of him going against Pittsburgh defensive backs. And let me tell you, a gloveless young Larry Fitzgerald out there was just eating. Just catching the ball from angles you shouldn't be catching it. Over the shoulder, 360 pirouettes while you're pushing the DB down. And like that's a fucking wide receiver who I would argue, I could argue, is better than Stephon Diggs. Like, you know, maybe at even at any point in his career. Never uttered a peep. Never was a diva. Like, you can have both sides of the coin. So, like, though I'm empathetic and I try to put myself in someone's shoes, like, there are ways to handle situations, and we've seen how a wide receiver can handle it. And Larry Fitzgerald is far from the singular example of that. But, yeah, I have to agree with you, Brad. I'm not a big fan of Stephon Diggs' antics. Yeah, let's also not forget, when we, whenever we talk about Larry Fitzgerald, the man has more tackles than drop passes in his career. As a wide that's receiver. it. That's insane. That's an insane. He's literally stat. one of. He's just one of my favorite NFL players. Like it's really crazy to have such like a long tenured career and never have any blemishes where people had ill to speak of you. And he's always just been a guy that's been put up by the league. Um, yeah. Um, we so along the lines of players getting in trouble, I think it's important now to pivot to the gambling policy within the NFL. They came out with some, I guess, clear and concise rules, uh, some of which the NFL shared through their social media platforms. 
I saw it on Twitter. Um, so right now, I'm going to break down the six key rules that the NFL players must abide by. So the first and most important is don't bet on any NFL games whatsoever. And they also released more details to this rule. Don't ever bet on an NFL game, not even $1. Don't bet on your team's games, another team's games, outcome, points scored, parlay, prop, future bets, any of that. Nothing to do with NFL. And this includes all NFL events, such as the draft, combine, pro bowl, even flag football events, or the NFL honors. Uh, The second rule is don't gamble at your team's facility while traveling for a road game or staying at a team hotel. And this is one of the ones that I think was confusing to fans when they saw some of the Lions players getting in trouble. Because from... Actually, I can just read the more details because I was going to extrapolate. So, more details on that is don't gamble at work, including from your phone. Don't bet on anything when you are at your team's facility or stadium. This is including the parking lot, Brad. On a team road trip, a team plane, bus, car, team hotel, or on any other team business. Don't bet on anything while at work is the summary. So that clarifies it because to me, I'm wondering like what all quantifies as the team's facility. And apparently it includes anything the team owns that you may be near or in. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're you're just – if you're pulling out and you just hit that hit that bet, you're, right, you're breaking right. rules. If you're on the like road you, now, you're okay. <laughs> you go to Del Taco two blocks away. You get a couple soft chicken tacos. You get a large, uh, you get a large iced coffee, which is overly sweet. You can place that bet, but not on the NFL. Refer back to rule one. Do not bet on NFL games. All right. Further, rule number three: Do not have someone bet for you now. Unfortunately, I don't remember if I saw more details on all six of these. I can only find an image that has more details on the first two. But what we know is a lot of people have been talking about, including in the media. I heard Pat McAfee talking about it, like how easy it would be to just have someone make some bets for you so that you don't get in trouble. Like how dumb are these players that are making NFL bets, making college football bets at a team facility when they could just have a family member do it. And apparently this is a rule covering that. Like we are looking into this. We are going to know your circle. Do not have someone make bets for you. You do not get to make bets whatsoever. Yeah. And, and, and I think on, on, on that, like you could, people might say, well, how are they going to know it's, it's, it's them. It's like, well, if it's a bet that means anything, if it's more than that person normally makes, if, if you're putting like a couple a couple thousand dollars on, on a on a game on a game, it's probably not the family member. It's probably the guy that makes millions of dollars a year. You know, bro. If you think about macaroni and cheese too hard, it'll show up as an ad on your phone. Like I don't even <laughs> care. They're gonna find out your they're circle. Gonna they're gonna they're gonna find out your family. If you've spit in a tube for ancestry DNA, you voluntarily gave your DNA for the police. I hope you know that. That's a fact. That's just that's an Aiden fact, just so you know. So they can reference that for your crime scenes in the future. You voluntarily gave a sample. I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure my family comes from Japan at at, at the very least. Uh, the rest, it's just you know, Japan and Britain. Japan and Britain, baby. The two all, allies in World War Two. That's all I need right? to know. No, ain't that right? <laughs> oh, right. You were part of the Axis and the Allies, brother. Yep. All right, moving on. Playing both sides. Uh, don't share team 
quote-unquote inside information is rule number four. Um, again, I wish I had... And Brad, while I'm reading these, if you can look and see if you can find that thread that has more details on each rule, that would be helpful. I could only find the more details on the first two. Um, it, it might be beneficial if you like search Twitter. That's where I found it. But regardless... This one uh, stands out as important, and this is one I would like a little further breakdown on, actually, because inside information could be a lot of different things. But regardless, what this is saying is um, anything that you may know due to your position as an NFL player, do not share that with anybody that could be making bets. Um, Rule number five is don't enter a sports book during the NFL playing season. And I know this is a bit of a stickler. Uh, for some people, I know I heard Cole Komet, Bears tight end, talking about this during one of the press sessions, and he was a bit confused, and the team was confused during the um, road games against Las Vegas, where Luke and T are now, because if you have not been there and you do not know, there are casinos everywhere. There are slots in the in the McCarran airport. Like you can play slots. It's not a technical casino, but you can play slots there. There are sports books everywhere. So, and if I'm not mistaken from what I read, even if you are traveling to Las Vegas, you're not to enter sports books. And it sucks because some of these hotels are casinos. The best hotels in Las Vegas are the casinos. So it's very difficult not to accidentally enter a sports book. You might step from carpet to tile and next thing or the the color of the fucking carpet changes and you're accidentally in a sports book. You know what I mean? It, it's kind of like when you're in these very bright buildings, it can seamlessly go from restaurant to sports book to open floor craps tables without you even realizing it as you're just stumbling around. I didn't know if you had any input on that. Uh, not really. I was just searching for for that uh, for the All expanded. Right. You got that. You got that. And then lastly, rule number six is don't play daily fantasy football. And I know this is a much more popular thing. I don't like recently. I don't. I don't see it. I don't even like fantasy football that much. I play it. You know, because my friends play it, and then once I start playing badly, I suck and don't keep up with it. But I don't know. Like, it is just another form of gambling. You're just gambling on who's going to play well in any given week. But basically what this is saying is um, they want to take an abstinence approach to sexual education here. They're like, don't do it. Don't even gamble once or you'll get fucking pregnant and you'll get an STD and fucking die. That's what they're saying to the players yeah. right now. They're like, don't even do it once. Don't even think about it or well, you're going to hell. It, well, because of how much they're supporting uh, sports betting now, in, in all sports, but like how big sports betting is now and it's a different environment, Like it's so much closer to the game and there's so much more uh, like s- seemingly money to be had in sports betting nowadays. Than there, than there used to be, just because it's, like, more people are involved, so odds are large and everything like that. Uh, so, like, it, it was kind of inevitable, like, eventually, it's like, when the NFL actually starts supporting these betting sites and giving them money, so you know, and they have their own special parlays for, for like, their, every game, you know, you have your Patrick Mahomes par- parlay that has all of his stuff set up already. Uh, eventually... The NFL is going to have to say, all right, 
now that everybody's sports betting, you guys definitely can't sports bet because that's that raises a whole bunch of like red flags for everything, and it probably it, like there's a lot of legal things that they probably have had to fight uh, just in the the players that have uh, d- done it on and on the like with uh, like betting commissions and you know right uh, government bodies that oversee and these I mean, kinds of things. If we're being honest, who did it seem like the NFL had um, a crush on last year? Who did they love featuring throughout the whole season? Travis Kelsey. Uh, Who else did they love featuring? Jason Kelsey. Mama Kelsey. Uh, What happened in the Bengals-Chiefs game? Uh, well, the 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 one that mattered, the uh, Chiefs the playoff won. game. Yeah, the yeah. Chiefs, why the they win? Won. Did did the did the Chiefs get an extra shot at a third at a key third down where they just completely gave them a whole another shot at a play for no reason whatsoever? They sure did. Uh, yeah. And so and I then, mean, ha- and then Travis Kelsey had a had a WWE promo cut ready for that for for, for this team to win. Uh, all I'm saying, t- all I'm saying, dude, is that. I have seen trending topics of NFL rigged. I have seen trending topics of NFL storylines being handed out. And again, I don't think that's the case. I definitely don't think that they're handing out the season storylines. There's way too many moving parts for that to ever happen. And I don't think I would ever be doing a podcast if that were the case about this sport. However, I do think that there are favorites. I do think there is preferential treatment, and I do think that there are narratives that are pushed. I don't think that there is a fix, but <clears throat> when you get into all this shit, when it comes to gambling, all of these things become moving factors, right? And the NFL has intimately intertwined itself with sports books. Gambling has become a huge part of the NFL in the last few years, where it was very far from the NFL's uh, public-facing appearance when we grew up watching the NFL. <clears throat> so they obviously have to take these things a little bit more seriously. They have to defend the shield from any perceived um, potential insider threats from players. However, they need to play games <clears throat> in key moments where they don't have scummy shit like that happen because I, like, just like we talked about with the Bengals and Chiefs game, I'm not calling it a fix but I'm sure saying that the, the situation that they wanted to happen sure happened. They sure wanted Pat Mahomes to win the Super Bowl featuring heavily Travis Kelsey. Like, and I don't like Travis Kelsey. You know that. I I admit that his talent is incredible, but he's so fucking annoying and he's not entertaining to me. It seems very fake and forced. Yeah, if you think you don't like Travis Kelsey you're talking to a guy who has to play him twice a year and just watch him just be open every single time somehow. Like it's, it's, it's baffling. It's like, it's because he doesn't run traditional routes, dude. That's true. It's true. All he's, they do is have him find he Well, I mean, again, play, he the, is the design is also <clears throat> part of that. So, I mean, it's both, but like, is he a better route runner than like, I mean, he's probably the best tight end route runner. But, like, what I mean is he's not really running traditional routes half the time. What I truly think is happening and why he's getting so open so frequently is because on certain plays, 
he is just running to the soft spot in the defense wherever it presents itself. And Pat is just finding him. So it's a lot easier than running a seam when they're knowing that they're going to have to guard a seam and they, they guard it, then start run a seam and then break it off into a fucking hitch in the middle of the field. Cause no one's there. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's all I mean. Um, Oh, uh, <laughs> there's a little thing that I was just seeing there. I didn't realize this Arizona and Washington have sports books on the premise this, this next season. So they have like areas you can At go the in stadium. And set- yeah, like essentially, like mi- the mini casinos that you can set up and place legal bets in, no matter like. <laughs> yeah, it's like a coffee kiosk. It's like a little like yeah. stand. It's a it's cart little, it's where they Dippin do parlays. It's it's an old it's a it's a retired Dippin' Dots uh, cart. That is that so just... <laughs> funny. They're yeah. like seriously, don't even fucking look at it, you little bitch. To the yeah. NFL players, but like yeah. in the meantime, they're like. Oh, come on, sweetie. Come on to all the fans. Come on. Come to mama. Yeah. <laughs> come over, no more than bets. six sportsbook commercials during game broadcasts as well. No more. Oh, is that a thing now? Yeah. There are quite a few. Dude, do you remember the Caesars ones with the Mannings? Yeah. Oh, uh, they Dude. have. All right. Brad, I know you want to talk. I know you want to talk ad nauseum about the Chargers. So this is your moment. Take as much time as you need. Talk to me about all that you've learned about the Chargers offseason program and your rookies. And then I will transition and talk uh, a lot about mine because I feel like I've been reading from Bears beat reporters every day. Well, uh, so our our biggest news would be Quentin Johnson looks like the real deal. In, in wait, wait, OTAs. sorry, sorry. Is it Johnston or Johnston? Johnston. It's, it's Johnston. Okay, sorry, I hear it every way. I just want to correct yeah. you there. Yeah, it's it's Johnston. Um, Quentin Johnston, QJ, Q is that what they call, is what Brandon Staley, he likes, he likes nicknames because, you know, he's that guy. Because uh, he has no, he has a rubber personality. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um... Q loves uh, he's he he loves Devonte Adams and they had a shout out for him earlier in the season um, during the OTA time period when they were bringing in some of the first round draft picks and talking to them and then they would have like an NFL superstar that they look up to like give them a message. Oh, uh, that was fanatics. Was, that was yeah. fanatics. Devonte Adams was Q, was uh, Quentin Johnston's and I mean. I would love for him to be even close to the player that Devontae Adams is. Uh, we'll see, but in in OTAs, he looked like he looked like a legit number one receiver. He could be that be that. Uh, he was making catches away from his body. He was running really good routes, and he was getting tips from Quentin, uh, not Quentin, uh, says his name, uh, Keenan Allen the whole time. And Keenan Allen's one of those top run, route runners. So if you can get guys, get the right guys around him to teach him like things, like teach have Keenan Allen teach him like route running and have Mike Williams go over some of the finer details of you know contested catching with him like obviously a lot of that's just like innate ability and just something that you can't is isn't teachable but if he can pick up just a little bit of that there's there's the sky's the limit for this guy he he looks like it was such a good pick for us um so I'm super excited to see what we do with him this year. He's not going to be – he's going to be our, our number three receiver, uh, probably more of a Z role where he's probably going to be doing some motion and maybe going one side of the field the other usually. Uh, but I, I'm excited. I think I think uh, he's he's huge. Um, 
And then our two defensive picks in second and third round, Henley and uh, Tui, I'm just going to say. Tui, Tui, Pelotu. Tui, Tui, Yeah. I they they've looked they've looked really good in OTAs thus far. Uh, I don't think I mean neither one of them is really going for a starting position most except for Henley. Henley could overpa- uh, overtake uh, Kenneth Murray because he's just hasn't been what we wanted from him the last couple of years. Uh, so I thought he's he would be, be great. I, a lot of people did. I was really excited. We traded back to get the number one middle, middle linebacker in the draft and uh, traded back in. And uh, it's seemingly not been a great ride for us so far. But, uh, so yeah, he, that's that's the only starting position that's really up for grabs, really, on our, of all of our rookies, besides the punt returner. But we also got a punt returner from uh, the XFL, so th- we're going to have some competition at returner, which is meh. Uh, one of the biggest breakouts, though, has been uh, one of our... Uh, undrafted free agents it's Scott Matlock I believe Matlock he uh he's been yeah oh he was 6th round he was our 6th round pick he has been looking really good at defensive tackle which we need a lot of help at interior defensive line you know that I know that the whole entire league knows that yeah, so, Jerry Tillery, thanks a lot. Yeah, I do not like that guy. I've never been sold on him. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are, those are like those are the big takeaways from the OTAs that I was really excited about. Um, I will say that I do I did agree with uh, some things I've been hearing with people saying that the NFL's schedule is one of the weirdest things they, uh, they've ever seen. Where we have this down period that we fill with the OTAs, and then there's like weeks uh, over a month, and then they start real practices. And it's yeah, like, you know who said that? You guys. It was me last podcast. Yeah, I, I, and I Luke listened. was like, Luke was like, I love it. I love how they do it. They should never change anything. Make America great again is what Luke said. No, I'm just kidding. I I, I uh, do think it's weird. I think I I think it's weird. I uh. I also understand, like, for uh, entertainment value, because it's an entertainment business more than a sports business, really, uh, it keeps year-round coverage better, because you have this And people are busy thing. in the summer, let's be honest. Like, this is the period where traditionally a lot of job sectors have either downtime or people in your family have downtime, so you go on trips because the weather's nice. You know what I mean? So, like, I get it. Yeah. Uh, I d- I'm not a huge I, fan of it. Um, I think if you're good, I just think it's not fair to players for their physical health and their um, getting into shape and their endurance because you're making them get in shape. And Luke's like, yeah, they should all be in shape all year round. But like, I agree. But you have to know that there are always players that are coming in out of shape, especially veterans and especially at the bigger positions. Um, it's very easy to get out of that, and you're not even getting into game shape at OTAs. Like you're mm-hmm. you're just starting to hit game shape in the in the preseason games. Yeah, uh, I I think I think it's so. Bo- Joey Bosa last year was the first time he attended OTAs in a long time uh, since I think almost his rookie year because him and 
him and his brother always did off-season workouts together. And was, he decided he was going to take some time and actually go to the OTAs, probably because Brandon Staley's begging him uh, to, to, to do it because he just – he preferred his way of doing things, and it's it's just a it's a it's a, a way for the team to kind of get together, kind of stay in some contact. It's, re- it's a rapport bit. building. You're building. Yeah, it is. It is relationships. It, it, last year, especially, was kind of big because him and Khalil Mack, they wanted to make sure that they were going to be firing on all cylinders together, like uh, it, it, come game time. And then obviously, Joey Bosa was out for like sixteen weeks or some shit like that. So. Uh, how much do you hate Joey Bosa? Like a lot, like a lot. You don't you don't want him? No. Get, I would trade a first round pick for him. I I I am so glad we had Khalil Mack for him uh, in his in his stead, and I think when he came back, that Kyle Van Noy was superior to him. So really, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I that's what it was last year. That's not what I think. I that's what it was last year. <laughs> Obviously a Bosa fan. Obviously loved both Bosas. Um, I've even admitted this, and I don't know if it's been obvious to you as much, but maybe to some other people. Like, I haven't necessarily like taken a step back in my Ohio State fandom, but my relationship with college football is different because of how everything has changed in college football. And I'm definitely not as into college football as I am in NFL right now. And in the past, it was the other – it was swapped. Um the Bosa's I've always known that I didn't think I would like them as people, but I loved them as football players. And that's just the thing. Like, I don't really like Nick or Joey Bosa that much. I think that they're annoying. I think they're a bit conceited and I don't think that I align with how they think, but as football players, they are quite spectacular. And I would gladly take Joey Bosa to be a four, three defensive end. And I, could see that happening actually because it seems like your team is slightly soured on him he's slightly soured on the team and he really wants to play on a fucking grass field he's made that clear the bears have a grass field we've made trades with the chargers i could see it happening we've we've um not just hinted but clearly stated that we are looking to bring in an extra defensive end um via trade or via free agency before i talk about the bears is there anything else you want to hit on for the chargers uh, well, the big one is, for me, Justin Herbert's contract is looming in the horizon. We did uh, sign him to his fifth-year uh, option. Um, but every single day that we don't sign him to a long-term, longer-term extension is it, – it, it I hear it every single time I, 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 I like look at any kind of Chargers news. It's, well, is Justin Herbert even going to play for the Chargers a- after next year? Is is he going like after his contract is up? I wouldn't want to stay around. Are the, are the Chargers trying to ship Justin Herbert because they haven't signed him to an extension yet? It's like he's, he's got going two nowhere. Years. He's going nowhere. There's no way. There's like Dean's uh, the Spano the Spanos family would cut off their own legs before they get let Justin Herbert go. Okay, let's let's just get that out out in the open because he is the only shot that our franchise has at winning anything. Uh, and it's just it's it's this off season speculation. There's no news. So let's create news. I'm sure the Bengals fans are getting it like crazy with uh, Joe Burrow. You know, surprisingly, it's like I don't follow the Bengals too closely, but I do follow them with a passing interest, obviously. And I think the narrative with them 
is like they're just trying to get the money situated because they're not a really cash rich um, franchise ownership group. They actually sold the naming rights last year to their stadium, and that was largely to get money to be able to pay Jamar Chase and uh, Joe Burrow. So I think you're correct. I think that if you've got a surefire guy, you got to pay him as soon as humanly possible. Like as soon as the third year hit the end, I would have been putting in an offer once you're legally allowed to make an offer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause you just set the market and then let the other people that aren't as good set the market after him. Yeah. I, I, I Justin's a really smart guy and he's really about the, about the, about the game more so than most than other aspects. He doesn't like the, he doesn't like the attention. He doesn't like the media too much. So my hope, my dream is that Justin Herbert would love a long contract that uh, is the market now. Let's say fifty million a year for like ten years. I would love that. That's 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 a cool half, half bill. You know, maybe tack on some bonuses with that. I don't care. I whatever it takes. I would pay the man a hundred million dollars a year if if, the, if 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 uh, if if it meant him staying around. Okay, fuck the rest of the team. We, we you know we're we're losing Joey Bosa, but. It's it like the amount the the depths of the depths of how far I would go to Justin to keep Justin Herbert around do do not exist. Okay, I'll sell the entire team for for that man. I get it. Um, I probably feel maybe not that extreme, but I feel pretty fervent about my fandom for Justin Fields and it seems like a lot of Bears players are like that. I don't know if you've caught wind of it, but. It's like Justin can do no wrong to the Bears fan base. It's always somebody else's fault. It's like, no, that wide receiver didn't run the right route. Not Justin waiting too long <clears throat> or something. Uh, I have been critical of Justin because he holds the ball too long. And is this okay? Can I transition to the Bears? Did yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this, is a, okay. this is a perfect time. Justin, this is, Justin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my transition note. So a lot of the narratives coming out of Bears mini camps have been that Justin has been much more on than he was last year this is to be expected he's in the second year of this offense uh the Luke Getze offense which is largely themed after San Francisco and Green Bay the Shanahan style he also has DJ Moore who is an elite receiver who's being paid like one and who has made absolutely like great season performances out of nothing at quarterback for the Panthers. He had a revolving door and he was out there putting up 1200 yards a year, like on average 11 or 1200. Like there's no denying DJ Moore is a, is the best receiver the bears have had since peak Allen Robinson, maybe since Brandon Marshall uh, in that magical Jake Cutler year where we like led the NFL in offense. So Justin has been much more on. However, he's showing some inconsistencies. He's holding it maybe a pat too long, like a half a second too long. And in the NFL, that's just going to get you sacked, especially if you have a middling offensive line, which is growing and young. But the offseason news has basically been that Justin has been killing it overall, if not a bit inconsistent. However, it's important to note he's been um, – featuring DJ more heavily but also there was news of like him throwing it into double coverage to DJ more stuff like that to me that just screams taking your shots trying to build rapport in the time where it doesn't count and when you also factor in 
that Darnell Mooney is still out from his ankle injury last year. He's recovering. And D- and uh, Chase Claypool hasn't been there the whole minicamp. So his real only guy that's the starting receiver for the actual first week of the NFL season is going to be DJ Moore. you got to feed him the rock and see what you have in him. So I don't blame Justin at all for that. Justin appears to be locked in. He's always been all about football, like you were talking about, Herbert. He doesn't really seem to have a lot of other interests. He seems to be a guy that is purely one track on the game, and I love that. Huge fan, super excited for the season to come. Some other news. I think that this Bears rookie class, and I think this is a good idea going forward, maybe in a few weeks or a week, we could do a rookie superlatives episode, you and I, but... It seems like the Bears might have hit on three starters within their first three draft picks. Those being Darnell Wright, starting at right tackle, Tyreek Stevenson at corner, who a lot of people didn't talk about. We didn't talk about him. Uh, He's from Miami. Cool note, pretty much everybody we drafted highly was a super highly rated high school recruit. Um and all of them scored super high on relative athletic testing. And Tyreek Stevenson was originally a Georgia Bulldog. But then he got into arguments with Kirby Smart because they only had him playing nickel. And he wanted to play outside too. And then he got in a fight at a bar. Uh, so then he transferred to Miami. So all that said, I bet if he played at Georgia all the way through, he might have been a first round pick. Because this kid is killing it apparently at minicamp. He's got very long arms. Press guy, sturdy, and he loves to hit. You can see that in his tape. He's a hard hitter. But apparently he's been intercepting passes and getting a lot of tips. And then thirdly, our um, second second round pick, Jervon Dexter, project type defensive tackle out of Florida. Remember when we watched the draft, we were texting like, oh, cool, the last guy off the line of scrimmage and stands straight up. I'm sure that's going to be great. Uh, and not referencing Tyree Wilson. This was for Jervon. Well, a little more context on that. Apparently, and I've recently um, listened to podcasts where his college defensive line and D coordinator, uh, defensive line coach and D coordinator have like come on as a guest spot and talked about Jervon. And I guess they had him playing a read and react two gap style where he was in, he was supposed to stand in a, or get down in a square stance with like both hands down and it like on his, on his uh, hips back on his heels and read and react the offensive center and guard and then explode to disrupt plays and such um, within their scheme. And even the defensive line coach said uh, that defensive scheme was not right for him. That's just where he had to play and he made it work. But apparently we're retooling his stance one hand down, having him explode through and he's looking great. And he, people are like raving about him because he's huge and he's super athletic for his size. Former um, top basketball recruit before he switched fully to football. So that's a project type. I'm obviously excited about it. You can't do any worse than we had on the defense. Uh, The news and the talking points are rampant about what will we do at defensive end. It's all I hear about. It's what I think about when I brush my teeth when I go to bed. What are we doing? (laughs) What are we doing at defensive end? Uh, Again, I love to think Madden style about what former Buckeye can I go get. Is that Joey Bosa or Chase Young? I take either of them, even with the injury concerns for both. And then another thing I wanted to talk about, which I haven't talked about enough, is just how excited I am to have Tremaine Edmonds in this defense. Because the more I listen to Bears, um, 
beat reporters, the more I listen to some of the talking heads like Dave uh, Wanstead, you have other former coaches talking about these things, the more I'm learning about how the Tampa 2 actually works. And another one I've referenced on the podcast a lot, Bootleg Podcast, uh, Brett Coleman, who now works for the NFL as well. Um, Since he works for the NFL on his channel on YouTube, he has access to a lot more play footage from the past NFL games. And he did one YouTube video where he talked about how the Tampa 2 works. And he included, uh, you should watch this, Brad. It's really cool. It's not that long. It includes coverage from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of the past with their great, like, Derek Brooks and shit, uh, John Lynch at safety. You've got Bears footage. You've got footage that you normally wouldn't be seeing some clips of. And he's pulling not only, like, the highlights, but certain plays to reflect how the defense should operate. And one of the most important things in that defense, there's three super important positions in that defense. Uh... That's going to be your three tech who's in charge of generating pressure on the interior because in this style of defense, you rarely blitz. You're in charge. Your job is get pressure with your four down linemen and create pressure and break on the ball and try to force a fumble and stack them and punch it out. And you're hoping that the offense makes mistakes. That's why it's easy to walk up and down the field on these kind of defenses if you're an elite offense. But they can get a lot of turnovers like Eberflus did a few years ago with the Colts. Um, so you have the three tech, the will linebacker, think Lance Briggs to the Brian Urlacher, uh, think of Derek Brooks. Like a guy like that is supposed to be making plays on the ball. And then in my opinion, it's slot slot corner is your third most important, but all within that, there's a very important aspect of the middle linebacker position. And that's that you need to be able to quote unquote, do something called run the pull where you are in charge of dropping to the deep third as opposed to the middle third, which is where, or what would you call that as a linebacker where you're doing your zone drops to the center of the field as opposed to the deep third? What's the verbiage for that, Brad? I, I, I've heard it's called uh, just a deep curl. Uh, like deep, The yeah, deep but, curl coverage. The center yeah, of the field, it's like essentially. A 50, it's like a 15-yard deep. Yes. Uh, like... And to, sorry to sorry to interrupt your flow, but uh, no, I good. actually have watched a, a video about the Tampa Two uh, defense uh, fairly recently that was basically explaining why Tampa Two is just cover three, but disguised as a cover two system. You probably watched the same one. It might it might be it might be. Uh, it was it was very informative. And I did. He's like very it. good. You should look. I'll, I'll send you the guy's name. Um, cause you can, if you subscribe to him on YouTube, you can catch his drops. I love featuring him. Me and Luke try to do a good journalistic job of featuring who we're referencing most of the time, but yeah, um, that may be the same video, but you're right. It is, it's kind of a misnomer. It's essentially cover three defense. The problem is you have to have a line middle linebacker specifically that can not just drop to that deep curl zone in the center of the defense, but he needs to be able to scoop back and quote unquote run the pole into that deep third. And think Brian Erlacher turning his flipping his hips and booting it back there and then jumping up and getting a pick, right? That was what we had in our prime. Roquan Smith had great coverage grades. Roquan Smith was an elite three four inside linebacker, a chase and tackle guy. Things I didn't like about Roquan. He could not stack and shed a blocker to save his life. He would rather cut underneath you and make it with speed. He's never taking on a blocker if he doesn't have to. And to me, 
I still appreciated his play, but that annoys me to an extent. Like, I see Jack Sanborn coming in as a rookie undrafted guy, throwing his body into pulling guards to stop him to make a play. Not for himself, so the DN can make a play. So the safety can make a play. That's what I like, because I understand what's going on with the selflessness of it. Um, And I know there's a self-preservation aspect, but what this is, what I'm trying to get with is that Tremaine Edmonds is a perfect fit for this defense. Now, when he was playing with the Bills, if I'm not mistaken, Bills run a 4-3, but I don't believe they run a Tampa 2, correct? I think they run kind of a multiple front, because I know they got him and Milano out there, uh, Vaughn Miller playing in spot like I think they run multiple and they blend a 3-4 I'm not sure if they're actually I think I think I think any 4-3 team is going to run a Tampa 2 every once in a while but like there's like certain well that's not their base yeah yeah so certain defenses like like uh obviously the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of 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 old and the Chicago 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 Bears of old um are are going to be four threes that primarily run the Tampa 2 and, and switch between that cover three and just like usually like you just have a couple different plays and then just maybe a variation of, of it you know what i'm saying that's that's what that's what that guy was saying in the video is that yeah Tampa two is a part of the fourth of a four three defense it's just how much you run it, it is uh, so i'll button this up real quick because i'm kind of going on about it but um People have been a bit critical of that signing to some. Because to me, you traded Roquan, you got a second. With that second, you either got Jervon Dexter or Tyreek Smith, however you look at it. Because we traded up to get Tyreek Smith in the second. One of those seconds got you a a player that's going to potentially start. And then with the money that Roquan Smith signed as the top off-ball paid linebacker right now, you got not only Tremaine Edmonds, who's a better fit and was drafted in the same draft in the first round. And I liked Tremaine Edmonds a lot in that draft. I liked him, Roquan, and Van Der Esch quite a bit. I liked all three. And I used to think Van Der Esch was our Erlacher type. It was always Tremaine Edmonds. Because Tremaine Edmonds had a couple middling years when he was younger in the league. He came in as a 20-year-old. I believe he's 24 right now. 24! He's been in the league for four years. What the fuck? He's an elite athlete. He's got the longest pterodactyl arms I've ever seen. And his PFF pass protection grade last year was like high 80s, if I'm not mistaken. He was the top pass protecting linebacker. From what I heard, I'd have to like 100% um, make sure that was the case. But from what I heard, he was the top off ball pass uh, protecting linebacker. If there was a guy that can run the pole in the deep third and get his hands on the ball via a tip to a safety like an Eddie Jackson, who we know is a turnover machine, or Jaquan Brisker, who we know is a stud, like this is the guy. And I think he's money well spent because you needed to spend a certain amount of money to hit the cap floor because we spent no money. We have so much. He's an elite player. And not just that, an ascending player who is entering a better scheme fit. I think he could blow the fuck up this year. And you also have TJ Edwards, who's also very good to play the will to take some pressure off. So that's it for the Bears. There's going to be plenty more to talk about. Bradley, you have a meeting in 20. Do you want to hit on a talking point to close this episode that has some meat to it, some juice? Or do you want to leave that for a later episode? Um... Maybe we just leave it. I, I gotta, I gotta clean myself up a little bit, shave a little bit. 
That's okay. Uh, little teaser for you guys. I want to go and do an in-depth segment in the near future, maybe even on the next podcast, about the 2020 run, 2021 rather, elite five quarterbacks drafted in the first round and where they're at now. And I might go back and see what we were saying about them in the past because there are there are plenty of talking points right now about Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson. And I think there's a lot to talk about with that. Yeah, I I I, I have I have some things that I, I, I could say for sure. I it's a very interesting draft class of quarterbacks. Uh, and that was your that was your uh that was your Rashawn Slater draft. I know. I I on if I if I'm being honest, I think we got the best player of the draft, but that's that's just because uh, huh? I'm biased. <laughs> oh man, off oh, the top man. of my off the top of my head, the best in the draft when that draft featured Lawrence, Jamar Chase, uh Patrick Sertain, Micah Parsons, who's objectively far better than Rashawn Slater. <laughs> I think Micah Parsons is arguably the best one in the list right now. I don't know. Rashawn Slater's second team all pro is rookie season. Right Dude, they Tr- they Tr- have they, they have Parsons at the pass rushing summit talking about how to beat Pat Mahomes, and people are listening to him. No, I get I'm it. Sure. You're a homer. I get it. I get I it. I, the, yeah. the longer you're on this podcast, the more um, league wide your scope will be. I'll say that. And Brad will be featured more. We we bullied Brad into buying a microphone, so it would only be right. Uh, we love you all. Thank you for listening. Luke T, I hope you guys are having an awesome time in Las Vegas. And anything else before we get out of here, Brad? Uh, nope, just looking forward to talking to you guys again. All right, Final Fantasy 16 arrives today. That will be what I will be playing. I'm locking in. <laughs> For NFL Mio, I've been Aiden. And I've been Brad. Catch you next time. I'm